What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Owls 24-7 podcast. I'm Kevin Fielder, site publisher for Owls 24-7. You can follow the show on Twitter at Owls 24-7. Follow myself on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. Today's date is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022, and we're about three days away from kickoff. It's not really the, the start of conference play. It's the resumption of conference play. Uh, a little bit of unique situation, of course, with FAU playing on Week 0 where they got the win against Charlotte. But it's resumption of Conference USA play where they'll travel to Denton, Texas to play North Texas on the road. It's another opportunity for FAU to figure out some of their road woes and sort of try and get on the right track there, I think. You know, there's been positive moments throughout road play. You look at the Ohio game, I really like their response in the fourth quarter. Obviously, last week against Purdue, I loved their overall play, and there's, that was a game they could have won. Uh, you know, you, you look back at some of the, the maybe some missed calls, some uh, opportunities for FAU where they could have won the game. I think that, you know, that interception in the red zone sort of hurt them a little bit. And, uh, you know, having the, the fourth down sneak play sort of bottled up and not being able to get the yard on fourth down and one to end the game, those sort of things were problematic for FAU in that game and I think it's sort of the the difference between winning a football game and losing a football game because what you'll always hear me say and you'll always hear Willie Taggart say this as well is it is incredibly hard to consistently win football games you need so much to go your way you could be the most talented team every single Saturday and you could still lose six games because you don't have good coaching you don't get the luck so many things have to go your way FAU didn't get the luck last week uh, and this week, it's an opportunity for them to maybe get some little luck. Maybe the football gods on their side just a little bit. But today, we're going to break down this game a little bit differently. I have three keys for victory for FAU. Some of them sound a little bit cliche. I can already tell you that for sure. Uh, you know, these are not groundbreaking discoveries as to what FAU needs to do to win a football game. But it's particularly what I think FAU needs to do against North Texas. Just North Texas in specific to win the football game. Three keys. I also have a couple of mailbag questions that we'll get to at the end of this podcast. Just like three questions uh, from from some viewers. Again, if you ever have any questions, feel free to submit them on Twitter. Either Twitter works at the Kevin Fielder at Owls247. Submit them at any time. We'll probably answer them throughout the the season, depending on when I think the best time to answer them is. These three questions, though, I think sort of play into some of these points. They sort of play into some some factors so we'll, we'll get to those at the end of the episode FAU North Texas huge game for FAU chance to go 2-0 in conference we talk about not conference play all we want how it's fun how it's important to maybe get some of those wins FAU finished non-conference play one and three this year but and this is the most important factor when we look at non-conference play is you know, it doesn't matter for conference tournament play. The only thing that matters for conference tournament or conference championship, excuse me, I'm in my college basketball boot, I guess. But the only thing that matters in conference championship and the stakes for conference championship is you just got to win your conference games. You got to go out there. You got you to beat the teams in your conference. You got to beat North Texas. You got to beat Charlotte. You got to beat FIU later in the year. Those are the teams you got to beat. Ohio, UCF, Purdue, those three losses, they don't matter. They, they don't matter to the grand scheme of where FAU want to be because FAU could lose, could win out the rest of the year, make the conference championship game, and no one remembers those three losses. But you can always take things out of those conference 
or out of those non-conference games and the those sort of play into some of these points as well because I think that throughout those conference games we sort of saw FAU's identity or non-conference games excuse me we sort of saw FAU's identity be shifted we saw what they want to be on offense and defense we saw what they want to be on both sides of the football field we saw if it worked if it didn't work we saw all these things you know four games is plenty sample size actually five games is plenty of a sample size to determine college football I usually break it up into threes even fours you know you got your first three games or your first four games and you got your next three or four then you got your last three or four and you know, those are sort of where we sort of look at the team. So we're sort of be cutting into that second quarter mark. And I think that FAU needs needs to clean up some things on both sides of the ball. But I think the one thing that I'm really encouraged about is that this team looks to be nearing their completion. I thought Purdue, the Purdue game was arguably their most complete game uh, outside of the Charlotte game, obviously, where they won by like 50 points. But uh, I thought that the Purdue game was one of, the, one of their most complete games this season. I thought you saw the defense and you saw the offense sort of put themselves together. You saw them play complementary football. The problem is that they just couldn't put it all together when it mattered. So, as we mentioned before, 3 or 4 p.m. kickoff, October 1st, against North Texas. That's going to be the game where I want to see this team put it all together. And for that, we'll get into our three keys of victory. All right, three keys to victory, FAU, North Texas. These keys are in no particular order, so don't get, you know, in the comments, uh, you know, or in my mentions going, oh, why is this key above this key? These keys are in no particular order. These are just three things that I think FAU need to do to win the game, and, you know, we'll look back at this next week, and I guarantee you that if they won these games, they were able to do at least two of these three, maybe even all three of them. Uh, That's how important I think these three, three things are for FAU. Number one, it's third downs. Whether it's getting off of third down on defense or getting off the field on third down on defense or staying on the field if you're on offense, you've got to be able to convert on third downs. The good news for FAU with North Texas have been particularly poor on third down on both sides of the football. This is a team that, you know, when they get to third down and fourth down, they just struggle to convert or they struggle to take teams off the football field. North Texas so far this year, 22 of 65 on offensive third downs, which means, you know, converting third downs. That's 33%. On defense, 31 of 72, 43%. 43 is actually a lot for third downs. You know, when you look at most games, if you are around, I think, that 45 to 50% mark, somewhere in that area, you are probably going to win most games, uh, especially if you can get those into third shorts and, and you know, then the ones that you don't get, you can go for them on fourth down. Today, we're just going to really focus on third down, though, uh, although I do have a, a, a stat on FAU's fourth downs. Against Memphis, they were really bad on third downs. 3 of 15. Uh, the, the North Texas offense was 3 of 15 on third downs. That's just bad. You know, that's not winning football. We talk about winning football all the time. That's not winning football. That's actually quite literally the opposite of winning football. FAU on the other side. You know, these. this is where the comparisons sort of sort of see get to see where FAU can really take advantage of this game on offense FAU is 36 of 75 for 48 percent remember how I mentioned earlier if you're around that 45 50 mark you're kind of probably won a lot of games yeah this FAU offense is one that can win you a lot of games and so far they've done that on third downs in particular I think the biggest reason for that is they're not putting themselves behind the sticks a lot they're not putting themselves on third down at 65 
or third down and 950. Like, they're not putting themselves in third down 15 situations, third down 10. Their third downs are third down to short, third down five. Uh, you know, opportunities where you can really take advantage and win football games. On defense, FAU is 24, or FAU, opposing offenses against FAU, excuse me, is 24 of 65 for 36%. The problem is that on fourth down, they're 62%. They've converted 62% of their attempts on eight or 32 per, or 62% of their eight attempts. Jesus, I don't know why that took me so long to get out, but we're going to talk about this a lot. FAU needs to try to get off the field on third downs. I thought that's something that they did pretty well against Purdue in particular. I thought that in that Purdue game, they found ways to get off the field. They found ways to get Purdue into poor situations and put themselves behind the sticks, and it was an opportunity for FAU to take advantage. And, you know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for FAU is they have to figure out how they can do that a little bit more consistently. Consistently, excuse me. Uh, Purdue last weekend, 3 of 12 on third downs, 1 of 2 on fourth downs. That's good. That's really good. That's almost, like, that's... We're going to talk about this a lot. You know, if you have statistics like that, 3 of 12 on third down, you're going to win a lot of football games. Especially when on the other side, I think he was still 5 of 16. That's not great. You know, you'd, you'd want that again around the 45-50% mark, but that's still solid. Like, that's not going to be the reason why you lost a football game. Uh, you know, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. However, we've seen some of FAU's problems on third down, particularly. I keep going back to it because it's a game that still sticks in my mind in terms of some of the struggles for FAU throughout the first five games of the season. It's that UCF game. The first half, I thought they were really good on getting UCF's offense off the field on third down and then giving the offense back to FAU for an opportunity to try and win the games. They just weren't able to take advantage of it. They just weren't able to take advantage of it. That's going to be the biggest thing is you have to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when they come. And so, uh, you know, I think they were really good in the first half. Then in the second half, it all sort of went downhill and it was an opportunity for for UCF to just take advantage uh, I wish I remember the statistic I think they were like 70% on third down the UCF offense was in that game and FAU's own offense wasn't really good at third down either they were not staying on the field so it was a lot of three and outs or you know you get a first down then you punt the ball away and so FAU has to be better than that that cannot be the problem for FAU this season you cannot fail on third down you're not going to win a lot of games if you fail on third down so I think that if FAU can find a way to solve those problems, they're going to be a great team. They're going to be a great team. And I don't think that they have real fundamental problems on third down. I think it's just a matter of being a little bit more consistent. Because the numbers show a team that's actually really good on third down on both sides of the ball. But there's the, some of the consistency problems. The Ohio game, the UCF game, where FAU... Uh, you know, where FAU's opponents in the second half were able to convert their downs. FAU's offense were not able to convert their third downs. Those sort of things matter, and I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Key number two, it's so cliche, and I really didn't want to do something cliche, but I think it's really important. And, you know, against a team like this and a quarterback like this, there's an opportunity. Key number two, forced turnovers. Oh, wow, hey. Kevin, thanks for the, the groundbreaking information that you need to force turnovers to win football games. I know, but Austin Ani, or on I think it's Ani, uh, North Texas' quarterback, who's actually also like 45 years old. I mean, he's 
God, he's one of the oldest quarterbacks in college football. Anyways, uh, through five games, they've also played five games. They played also a week zero conference game. Theirs was against UTEP. They also won that one. So they're also 1-0 in conference. But in five games, Austin on has thrown, Ani has thrown six interceptions against Memphis in particular, though. And I'm so glad I went through and I actually did get to watch a little bit of this game. Not much, but I got to watch a little bit of this game. And I also got to watch some of the highlights and look at the drive chart afterwards, all, all those things, just sort of try and get a little bit of a gauge as to where this North Texas team stands. Against Memphis, Osanani threw two interceptions, both of them in the second half, both of them picked sixes, and they both came at critical times. Uh, the first one was actually on their first drive. It was like the third play of the game. Austin on threw an interception. It was returned for a touchdown and made the score 27-13 Memphis. And then later on, to the start of the fourth quarter, Austin on threw another interception for a touchdown. This was like a, a zero-yard interception return. That's at least what it's credited as on the on the box score on ESPN. But, you know, it was an interception return for a touchdown. They made the score 34-20 Memphis. Those are the sort of plays that can change a game, particularly if you're a team like North Texas, where FAU is going to be more talented than North Texas for the most part. I think across the field, when you look at every position from quarterback down to like the secondary, they're going to be more talented at most of those positions. Uh, North Texas may have a couple players who are on the same talent level or a little bit more talented than than the players on FAU, but for the most part, FAU is going to be more talented across the board. So the thing that you cannot do if you're going to be either least less talented or uh, you know trying to get a consistent performance you just can't throw interceptions can't throw interceptions can't fumble the football uh, north texas has lost three fumbles in five games those are opportunities for fau to take advantage and those are opportunities where fau can get into this football game and you know even if they're driving down the field to get down to the 50 yard line you're talking thinking about oh is this defense going to put it all together are they going to get a stop boom all you need is one play. All you need is one play in a game. Boom. Snap. Just like that. Pick. Uh, you know, I, I think we saw it in the Dolphins game. I don't know if anyone watched the Dolphins game uh, much. The Dolphins-Bills game last Sunday. Javon Holland forces a fumble after an FA, or after a Miami punt. The Dolphins punted. Javon Holland forces a fumble. It's recovered by Melvin Ingram. They're within like the 15-yard line. I think they're actually within the 10-yard line. They score three plays later. It makes the game 7-7. Seven seven, uh, 7-7, you know, if they don't get that fumble, who knows what Buffalo's offense does. The way that they were playing throughout the game, there's no doubt in my mind that they were able to potentially go down the field, get a touchdown, and that completely changes the game. So you got to be able to create turnovers where they're possible. FAU so far this year have not had much success with interceptions in specific. They've actually recovered four fumbles, but they have not been able to get the the interceptions so far, they've got three interceptions through five games. And if anyone remembers, one of those interceptions was in the first game. Uh, the Justin McKithen pick six was in the first game of the season. Then the last two games, Dwight Toombs uh, against Purdue and UCF has gotten interceptions. FAU, the first game, of course, we all know what happened. They got down to the one-yard line. Dwight Toombs returned all the way down to the one-yard line. And FAU was unable to score. They were unable to punch it in. They had actually, I think, lost a yard on those, on those plays. Excuse me. The last game, though, they get the football after the interception, and they were able to score. Uh, they go five plays, 62 yards, according to the drive chart. This was in the third quarter. Those are the kind of plays that can make a difference in a game. Those are the kind of plays that when you look at everything 
in an F in, in a football game. You look at those plays that really change the game, the game changer plays. Got to be able to turn the football over when they're when it's there, and you also got to be able to avoid turnovers, of course. But just in this case, I think that you got to be able to force the turnovers. And I, I'm going to look for a guy like Dwight Toombs again. He's riding this hot streak. He's got two interceptions in two games, and in the case for some defensive backs. You get two interceptions in two games, you that can open up an opportunity for you to finish the season with 16. Not, of course, 16, but you know, finish the season with five interceptions. Uh, you know, We all remember the season where Miko Dotson had like 12 interceptions, right? That was not just, you know, he caught fire throughout the year, but he also started the year really hot in those interceptions, and it sort of gave him the momentum, gave him the momentum. I'm looking at, also looking at other guys, though. It's not just, can't just be Dwight Toombs. I'm looking at other guys that secondary. Smoke Mungin, I think, has had a couple opportunities to get picks. Can this be the week that he gets the pick? Uh, Jane Williams has been really good at the nickel position. Does he get a pick? You know, TJ Young is healthy. Can he get a pick? Th- those are the sort of things I'm talking about. Can you get picks in those, in those circumstances to help you win the game? Key number three. I've just titled this on my notes, Run Wild. FAU's identity on the offensive side of the football is running the football. They want to run the football. That's all they want to do. Not really. But, you know, Brent Dearman would love to run the football every single play if the other team couldn't stop it. He'd love to do it. I promise you, if you told him that in a game he'd be able to run the football 60 times, he'd be the happiest man alive. I think a lot of coaches would be happy about that because it gives your defense chances to, you know, get well-rested. It gives your offense opportunities to, you know, limit turnovers. Running the football is important in football. You know, we hear so much about the air raid offenses and the throwing the football and the quarterback, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, you know, all these great quarterbacks. But running the football is still the most important part of winning a football game. You've got to be able to run the football. You got to force teams to account for you running the football, too. So if you're not running the football consistently and at a high rate, they're not going to account for it. That's the biggest thing, I think, for FAU is you've got to be able to force. The opposing team to account for it. UNT so far this year, North Texas. Good news, they're pretty bad <laughs> against the run. Uh, so far this year, they've allowed two hundred six point eight yards per game, eleven rushing touchdowns. That all culminated against UNLV, where uh, you know North Texas lost and allowed like and allowed like fifty seven points to be scored on them. UNLV ran for three hundred sixty five yards and. Five rushing touchdowns. Their starting running back had like 227 yards or something. The game against Memphis, it was a little bit better for the North Texas defense. They had to, uh, they they allowed 193 yards and two touchdowns, uh, but it was all a lot of it was by quarterback Seth Hennigan, who had 54 yards on just 10 attempts. And I mentioned the quarterback point because against Purdue, and that was a game where I didn't think FAU would be able to run the football consistently. They found a way to run the football through the hands or through the feet, the legs of quarterback and Kosey Perry. And Kosey Perry in that game, 13 carries for 93 yards. Uh, you know, outside of that, though, it just seemed like Larry McCammon, Zuberry Mobley. I thought Zuberry Mobley had a couple of nice runs, but overall just wasn't able to be a consistent factor there. But so far this year, you know, the, for a team that wants to run the football, they've actually run the football really well as uh, as well. 5.2 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. 5.2 is actually pretty damn good. Uh, Larry McCammon so far this year leading the team in rushing 439 yards, two touchdowns, a 6.3 average. And then right behind Zuberi Mobley, who I've been really impressed by. And this actually goes to a question that we're going to take during the mailback portion. 303 yards, three touchdowns, 5.3 yards. Just great performances across the board for those uh, two running backs. And I think the 
the added benefit of having a guy like Nkosi Perry who can run the football. He's not, you know, the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to beat you like Lamar Jackson, but he can still beat you on the ground. That's important. Uh, overall, those are sort of the three things that I think FAU need to do against North Texas to get a win. That's going to be the biggest thing. I don't, you know, everyone says that, would you rather win pretty or, or uh, lose pretty or win ugly? <laughs> Man, I'd rather win ugly. I'd rather win ugly. Uh, you know, with the way that FAU struggled on the road, they've had two road games uh, where they won under Willie Taggart, and one of them was an FI, at FIU. So get a road win. It's going to be the biggest thing, I think. You get that road win. You get that, you get that burden off your shoulders. That's huge for a football team. So uh, those are sort of the three keys for victory, just to sort of round them off again. Number one, be good on third downs. Number two, force turnovers. And number three, on the offensive side of the football, you've got to run the football well. With that being said, let's get on to the mailbag portion of this episode. I've got about three questions. They're all great questions, and I think they all sort of play into some of the points that we mentioned here and some of the other things that we've talked about in this episode. As promised, mailbag episode, three questions. I guess mailbag segments, not a full episode. Don't worry, guys. Three questions from Twitter. Again, if you want to ask questions throughout the week or throughout any point, really, you can always go to uh, the Twitter account, Owls247. You can go to my own Twitter account, at the Kevin Fielder. Just tweet at them. I usually uh, write these questions down if I get some interesting ones throughout the, the season. We'll probably do a couple more mailbag segments throughout the year. Three questions Ed Gana asks. More impressive freshmen so far this season, Jamal Ladrine, Zuberia Mobley, Morgan Suarez, Tony Johnson, or Jaden Williams? I mean, I've sung my praises for for Jaden Williams, I think, right? Like, I, I think we've done that. I wrote an entire article about his pass rushing ability. I've talked about it so much. I think his pass rushing ability is such a unique trait that he has. Others plays don't have. We haven't been able to see it the last few weeks, and I think it's partly because he's been injured a little bit. He's been banged up and, you know, just sort of trying to neutralize those offenses in different ways. Morgan Suarez, outside of the missed kick, the blocked kick against UCF, I think he's been great. You know, he's been a, a breath of fresh air, uh, you know, for I think for a lot of FAU fans because they've always had kicking problems, even dating back to Lane Kiffin. But this season, you know, Morgan Suarez has trained all his field goals uh, outside the blocked one. And he's been, you know, someone who, you you know, you, you let him kick a field goal, he's probably going to probably gonna make it. You know, that's, that's good news for FAU, I think, right? Like, you know, being able to have a kicker who can kick, and I think he can consistently kick from like 40 yards, which... You know, when you look at the NFL, it isn't long, but in college, you can get a guy who can kick a 45-yarder. That's pretty good. Tony Johnson, you know, his role has been a little bit odd at times, and uh, I think that he's been really effective in his role. He's not been my, my, my most impressive freshman, though. My most impressive freshman actually comes down to the two that he mentioned at the top, Jamal Adrin and Zuberi Mobley. Man, I think it's Zuberi Mobley. Man, he's fast, he's athletic, he can win in a phone booth. You know, he's sort of all those things you look for in modern-day running backs. You know, he's not the—I don't think he's the most powerful running back in the world. I don't think he's going to run over a 240-pound linebacker, but he's really quick, he's athletic, he's agile, he can win in a phone booth. Those sort of things matter, and I think he does that so incredibly well. Uh, You know, I think he's the perfect complementary back this season for a guy like Larry McCammon, who's a little bit more bashful and a little bit more powerful. And, you know, he's going to he's going to be the guy to run you over, not go around you. You know, we talk about the the you know, I I always think about it as this, like, you know, you have your running backs who can run you over and truck you and go 65 yards. But you're also going to have the guys who 
just sort of go around you. You know, they know they're faster than you and that you can't get the angle, so they're just going to go around you. It's a lot easier for them to do that. I think that Zuberi Mobley is the second one of those. The other question, or the other uh, freshman, excuse me, Jamal Adrin. I love Jamal Adrin. I think that his confidence is awesome. You know, I talked to him back in high school, and he said that he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. That was his goal, you know, the Belentnikoff Award. He's also been incredibly good this year. He's been a great deep threat for FAU's wide receiver room, and he's been a guy who I think that uh, the rest of the year can be a really encouraging piece to that room, and I, it's something to keep an eye on as we continue because I think that FAU is still trying to figure out sort of that wide receiver room a little bit. They've spread the ball around a lot, but I think that there may be uh, the need to get a little bit more consistent there and try and find your second target because I think that LeJonte West is your number one target. The other two questions come from Jensen Jennings. Jensen asks, offensive and defensive MVP so far. Just mentioned him. My offensive MVP, Lejonte Wester. I thought he's. I think he's been amazing this year. Three touchdowns, ninety something yards against Purdue, and he has been so dang good this year in terms of getting uh, plays. I think he's been a little bit more consistent this year as opposed to other years. This is really his third year in college. Uh, this is his third year starting. He maybe listed as a sophomore, but he had the COVID year where he started. Uh, he had last year where he started. This year, of course, where he also got the start. He's like, you're a great slot receiver. It's really athletic. He may be, honestly, dude, maybe the fastest player on the team. I don't think that's a complete outrageous thing to say. Uh, you know, he is able to take to the top off the defense, but he's also able to win and screen passes and short passes. You know, he's like the kind of guy where you can just sort of dump the ball off to him and let him make a play. Those sort of guys can be real important pieces to your offense, especially for an offense like FAU, where they want to run the football a lot. When you have a guy like him, you know, defenses have to account for him deep. Defense have to come for Jaquan Burton deep as well, but LeJonte Wester, with the way that he's been playing this year, teams are going to have to start accounting for number one, even if they haven't already. Teams got to figure out where number one is on the field and put a guy on him at all times, or he's going to beat you for 95 yards. Uh, so I think that his play so far on the offensive side of the ball has been awesome. I've just been so encouraged by it. I think that the sky's only the limit for a guy like him. Now, defensive MVP is a little bit more challenging because I think that there's been a few guys who have been really good this year. Dwight Toombs, we already mentioned, has been really good this year. He's a starter on this defense for sure. Um, and I'm saying something. They've got a lot of good defensive backs in that room, by the way. Uh, Jaden Williams, early on in the year, I thought was really going to be the defensive MVP. But there's only really one guy who it should be, right? Linebacker Eddie Williams has been so good this year. He's ranked 14th nationally with tackles. Uh, he's averaging 10.4 game. I think he's been really good in the run game as well. Uh, you know, he's just been able to uh, sort of fill the gaps, and he's not the fat, uh, the biggest guy. He's about 200 pounds and, uh, you know, doesn't really wear it. Like, it uh, looks like a 220-pounder. Like, he is court sort of light, but he's super athletic. He can fill run gaps, and he can chase guys down for tackles. I've been really encouraged by his start, though, so far this year, and I think that the rest of the year, he'll only continue it. And I think that, you know, he's a guy who's going it's going to be really interesting to see how he progresses as a player. The final question, something we talked about a little bit. What do they need to do differently to win on the road in Conference USA play? Man, that's a great question because, you know, you ask 16,000 people, they probably all have different problems with this FAU team in the second half. My biggest thing is I just think you got to be a little bit cleaner. The penalties, you know, you... you we look at the Ohio game. They had a couple of penalties that could have ruined the game. And they had a few penalties against Purdue. And, you know, obviously there's been the controversy of, like, did the Purdue, the, the refs in that Purdue game get a call wrong? Uh, you know, uh, 
so many things, but got to be you. You got to play clean football on the road. Uh, you know, with the crowd noise and the the home field advantage and the travel and all that, it's a lot easier to play on at home. And I think that's why FAQ's been so successful at home. But it's difficult to play on the road. It's difficult to play on the road consistently. You know, that's why all the good teams can win the road at a consistent rate. You know, I think if you play a little bit cleaner on the road, you limit the penalties, you limit some of the turnovers, you just sort of play clean football, you can win a lot more games on the road for this FAQ team because they're just going to be more talented than a lot of the teams they face throughout the year. They're one of the most talented teams in Conference USA. You know, outside of UTSA and like maybe UAB, Western Kentucky, and they don't play UTSA this year. They play those other two teams. Uh, one of them is at home, the Western Kentucky one. I believe the UAB one is on the road. Don't quote me on it. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but... You know, those are two teams that are just sort of going to be on similar talent levels. FAU's got to play clean football on the road. Second thing is I think we saw it a little bit in the second half of the Purdue game. You've got to be able to play in the second half of football games. You've got to be able to play in the second half. you got to be able to play consistently in the second half. They were able to do that against Purdue. They weren't really able to do that against Ohio earlier on in the year. And, you know, I think if you could figure that out and you could play clean football, They'll be able to run the football well enough. They'll be able to play good enough defense. They're going to be a good team on the road if they can just figure those two things out. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to the Owls 24-7 podcast. Uh, we'll be back probably early next week to break down the North Texas game and then back later on in the week. Actually, no, not later on in the week because next week is a bye week. So just one episode next week, which will just be previewing or breaking down the North Texas game. I'll be able to watch the game live and i'll probably watch the game again sunday so look for that episode maybe late sunday uh, more than likely though early monday uh thank you guys though for listening to the alice 24 7 podcast you can follow myself on twitter third time promoing this don't worry uh you can follow myself on twitter at the kevin fielder you can follow the website on twitter at alice 24 7 24 alice 24 7.com for all your owls news see ya